Welcome to any UFC matters Wednesday night, and it's uh, a little bit more normality this week. Jordy's here, Jordy's there, back in its rightful place, and it's welcome to George, to Mitch, to Steve, to Al Walid, aka it's coming home, and uh, to Stu. No, Steve Hasty, he is midair on his way to uh, a session and a half with uh, Stu and Mitch later in the week. Uh, don't forget the three amigos will be four o'clock or five thirty on Friday due to the England game, but we'll have the uh, the rare sight of a few of the amigos together again. So uh, that should be interesting. What state they'll be in, God only knows. As always, uh, here to talk about Newcastle United, but we are going to speak about England uh, and you know whatever you want to speak about about the World Cup. Try not to bring politics into it because we haven't got all night. Um, but yeah, George, we'll start with we'll start with the first England performance. Why not revel in it a little bit longer this week? Because England got off to a flyer, six two against Ab- Iran. What was your thoughts? Well, absolutely, it was it was a pleasure to see an England team do what they were expected to do. Is, is what I would say. Be very professional, but they went beyond that. They played they played very well, and the 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 other. Um, great uh, Philip for us or at least for me anyway was to see uh, two Newcastle players very much involved although Wilson's involvement was short he demonstrated why he's, he's capable of being an England centre forward and 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 being a, a, a thoughtful one to lay that off for Grealish to score uh, was good but I thought Trippier was uh, my man of the match to be perfectly honest and then to cap it all when uh, Kane went off. Who did he hand the armband to? But the Kieran Trippier, and I'm not surprised about that because all through the game I could see Trippier talking to this one, talking to that one, particularly the young ones. And uh, I thought that uh, his his involvement with uh, the young lad from Arsenal, Saka, uh, was instrumental in keeping him in the game. Uh, so yeah, it, it was it was good, not just a good performance, but. Uh, um, uh, they played well and, and controlled the game. Uh, silly goals still are in it, 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 it towards the end, but uh, these these things happen. The only um, slight criticism I'd make is of uh, the manager for not taking Kane off straight away. Yeah, we've got a centre forward who's got poor ankles, and what happens? He, he gets a, he gets a bad knock on an ankle, and he lets him play for nearly another half hour on that ankle. Now, I'm not surprised he needed to go for a scan uh, afterwards. But uh, apart from that minor criticism, I thought it was uh, it was well uh, played game. They kept on top of the, the, the opposition in a way in which would hope they would and uh, and, and brought a, a fantastic result. So, yeah, and, and on that performance, absolutely great. I, I really enjoyed it. Couple of people in the comments already, Mitch, talking about uh, VAR, uh, how Robert Holden saying, not sure how one penalty can be given and then not one to worse. I mean, yeah. the, the foul on uh, Maguire, Mitch, was 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 ludicrous, but didn't warrant a penalty. And then the one that we conceded almost seemed like a sympathy one at the end. It, it is ludicrous and it comes back to the matter. It's not VAR that's the problem. It's the idiots and the inconsistency of how it's applied. Yeah. It, it's not the technology. It's how it's used and the people using it. And I think, I suspect, because FIFA are under so much fire at the minute from all corners, 
it's one thing they'll probably sit down after the first round of the group games is done and get referees together and say, right, we need some consistency here. Um, the only thing that worries me then is are we going to see three or four penalties a game? <laughs> and is it going to get a little bit silly the other way? Uh, well, it's quite right the question why effectively a rugby tackle isn't a penalty and a tug on a shirt is. Um, it's it, it just comes down to that lack of consistency of application. And and was it was it applied out of sympathy towards the end of the game? You you could make that argument because really, like my dad said, we put them away in a very professional manner. Um, no messing really did the business. And talking about professionalism, I think I should also maybe make a comment just to say well done to Jack Grealish about how he's handled that uh, lad he was introduced to with cerebral palsy in the in the, the, the goal celebration yeah, he did. Yeah. Seen a real other side of him. I've had plenty to say about him this season so far when he was running his mouth, mouth off about Miggy. But to be honest with you, um, the FA have shown a very different side to that lad and welcome to him. And he took the goal courtesy of Wilson um, and did for the lad what he promised he was going to do. And that... That speaks volumes. Speaks absolute volumes. Yeah, no, I would agree with you one hundred percent on uh, on that, mate. And um, a lot, a lot of laughter going on again on Twitter about it. But yeah, fair play to him. He has done a good thing. Steve Wilkinson, uh, good evening. Your take on, on the England performance. Great to see Callum Wilson and Trippier featuring, as we expected. Nick Pope, you know, wasn't wasn't in between the sticks. You know, uh, Pickford earned the right to be there on the big tournament games alone. I guess. Yeah, I think I think uh, you know I've always sort of sensed England was it was a club team and, and Gareth Southgate being building a club and I think Pope as, as well as he's played for us and in some ways it's 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 cost him because he, he doesn't do anything for us he doesn't have to because we've got such a, a good defence in front of us I think if you if you're pulling off saves all the time as Pickford is having to do for Everton uh, you, you, you're you're more visible so uh, it, it was no doubt that he was going to be in goal but I, I just echo George's words on 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 Trippier I think the he, he played very much a Newcastle style game, uh, being you know he, he was a, he was a wing back, but were, they were playing you know a four, four at the back four three two one, um, um, but he, he was able to play the wing back role and, and and link with with Saka in the way that he does with with Miggy, and it, it was you know obviously contributed to the fact that uh, Saka scored two goals. I think the the important thing for England is that they've. They've got the the, the 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 potential bogey game out of their skin, as we've seen both with Argentina and, and now Germany today against Japan, that uh, the, the teams that are expected to do well have, have fallen at the first hurdle. And, and while there's a chance for them to come back with, it, with the remaining two games, um, you know, you've got to get that first one out of the way. And England have failed to do that often in the past. Um, but this time they've, they've emphatically put away the, a team that they should have beaten by that sort of score, um, but as as we've seen, the the, the, the expectations don't always happen, and uh, you know it, it bodes well for the future. Certainly, going to have harder games against the USA. I thought in the first half uh, against Wales they were very impressive, and but it, as 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 once Wales decided that they were going to go on the front foot in the second half, then you know they the, the showed that there was a, a vulnerability there. So I, I expect England to. To, to beat the states on Friday, we know that would probably come to predictions or something like that later on. But uh, certainly after a great start, and, and uh, as you've said, Steve, great to see uh, both Kieran and Trippier, who we expected to play, but also Callum Wilson getting a, a, a you know a cameo. I suppose he wasn't on very long, but he, he certainly contributed. And uh, 
I'm sure we're all wishing he had a shot when he was bursting through, um, but uh, unselfishly laid it on to, um, to uh, Jack Peelish. Yeah. Can, can I just jump in on that, Steve? Just with some of that Steve said about we should be putting around away by that kind of score. I don't think that's actually true. I think if you, Al Waleed and Stu would probably agree here in this part. It's expectations, I think, Neil, Mitch. Well, yeah, I mean, maybe, it's not, yeah, not that. Uh, they were well, the top twenty in the in the, in the world ranking, so they're, they're not expected to be that. Put in the context, while Germany are losing to Japan and and Argentina are losing that to, to Saudi, that the the Iranian team and the Iranian teams over here are powerhouses in the Asian Champions League. Yeah. People don't fancy trips to Iran to play those teams, not just because they don't fancy the trip to Iran, but because some of them play bloody good football. And I think it's a real statement win. 6-2 against Iran is not to be underestimated at all, I don't think. Mm. Sorry, guys. In, yeah, it's interesting. No, and I mean, that's what it's all about, debate. And uh, happy birthday to Jordy Toon for life. And uh, belated happy birthday to uh, Rico, uh, both turning 64 in the last 24 hours. Uh, both people who regularly tune in. Rico, of course, uh, an Everton fan. Uh, but thank you for, for tuning in. Our lead... I'm not going to ask you about England, bunny lad. I'm going to ask you about Saudi Arabia. My God, it's coming home all right, mate. I don't think it's coming to England. It's coming to Saudi looking at them celebrations. I, I tell you what, I wish I, I wish I could have just hopped on the metro and uh, joined you in Saudi Arabia to celebrate with you, mate, because that uh, was fantastic. And what about the goal scorer, Al Shearer? Al Shearer, Al Shearer. Actually, uh, it's uh, it's weird. They ha- I receive a lot of messages from Newcastle fans, and they are uh, talking about the players and uh, they mention Saudi name rightly. So, uh, actually, I was very proud and very happy that they are talking about the players. They ask they asking about the uh, injured players, which is okay. Uh, so it was really, uh, uh, Saudi Arabia improved lately in, in many aspects, and one of them sport. We see that, and I don't think this will stop. I think we're going to beat Poland, inshallah. And to qualify to yeah, next level. Inshallah, 100%. Um, Stephen Kennedy Kennedy wants to know, how did you spend your day off? Because, of course, you were given a national holiday. No, actually, actually I I have patience in my schedule, so I should work. So I I work today. Well, you worked. Okay, so you didn't have a day off. Okay. The other... Um, situation uh, over the last few weeks is you've been back to Newcastle. Now, Al-Walid, I'm going to tell you off because you said on this show that you were going to bring the missus, your wife, and, the, <laughs> and your child when you came here. And what happened? You turned up in a social club in the middle of nowhere in Newcastle to watch me and Malcolm MacDonald on stage and you were by <laughs> yourself again. Where was the wife? Well, actually, this has happened in uh, any... Uh, I have a trip before and uh, uh, postponed and then cancel it and then uh, suddenly it happened. So you can't control this sometimes. So uh, just it was just an opportunity to go and they just take it. It's okay. I'm just getting some brownie points with Mrs. Alwaleed for when I come to Saudi Arabia. Uh, she's, she's not watching, so I'm... I'm uh, it's okay. I'll send it to, I'll send it to her, Alwaleed. Um, last, lastly, though, what was the experience like? It must have been great to come to that game and see such a wonderful performance. Uh, to Newcastle. Yeah, what was the what was yes. it like coming to the game? Uh, actually, not just the game. To the city, I really enjoyed and uh, really Newcastle, really amazing city. And uh, it was like five days, and it's quickly passed. 
And uh, the, the, the thing is, in Newcastle, you, before you sleep, I have a plan for the day tomorrow. And after you wake up, the, the plan change always. So it was really uh, busy days. And glad that I witnessed uh, two win, one in the Carabao against Crystal Palace, and amazing win against Chelsea. Uh, so this is the uh, first time in Newcastle we beat by Chelsea, and that was my first match against Chelsea in St. James Park. It was 3-0, but uh, we, 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 uh, we get the revenge we, we wanted. And uh, uh, how, how different now Newcastle from last season to this season. And we, we, we couldn't win the title this, this uh, season. It's not going to be a surprise. Fantastic! Hey, predictions on winning the title. <laughs> you did, yeah. Well, he did predict would stay up last season, so I'm, uh, I'm not, I'm not going to be uh, as discredited. Well, believe you never know. You never know. Okay, Stu. Um, last but by no means least on the England situation. Anyway, I know you're a Scotland man, but you what? I presume you saw the highlights at least. It was a good start by England, and and, and also touch on Wales, Stu, because obviously they had a, a tough game against the US. I've said that I fancy them to be the dark horses. America in this group, USA. And, um, you know, it was a tough nut to crack for Wales, but they managed to get an equaliser, 1-1 one, one draw. What, what's been your take on those games for the two home nations? <laughs> Are you pretending to not, uh, not have any volumes, Stu? I tend to be on mute because I was complimenting England. And I didn't <laughs> 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 That's why I gave you the option of Wales. <laughs> <laughs> no, in all honesty, there. But first of all, happy birthday to everyone. It's great that uh, they're celebrating their Paul McCartney birthday, so it's fantastic for them. But uh, England, yeah, England did a very good, uh, they did have a great performance. Uh, and I watched it with um, Mr. Mohammed, who Mitch knows. Uh, he's over here in Bahrain visiting us. And, we watched the game together and I was sitting there and I wasn't cheering for England when they scored and he's like, what, why? So I was trying to explain the difference with Scotland and England. I said, I don't mind watching the game, but I don't cheer. That changed when Callum Wilson came on. I was like, go on, Callum, every time you got the ball, he went, I thought you'd not cheer for these. <laughs> I was like, so I had to explain because he plays for Newcastle. Uh, <laughs> so so that was good, but the, the, the take from the game, and, and I mean... I know uh, Mitch has already mentioned what uh, Steve Wilkins said about it's easy being dismissive about uh, teams in this region. But uh, the team that's, well, Al-Waleed Saudi team, Al-Halal, they won the two of the Asian the equivalent of the Champions League for the last two of the last three years. And that's when Newcastle are playing in a Friday next one. And, and I tell you, the, if we go back to, if we skip a generation when England were beating teams like Turkey, he had nothing. You know, and then now you wouldn't get that score. You know, the, the, the development has been amazing. So it's great to see teams like Saudi Arabia and, and Iran getting the, getting the results, getting the shocks, well, shocks to the majority of the world. But for, for me, it's it's deserved because they've invested in it and the, the countries have bought into it. And for a lot of people, it's an escapism to, to play football. And if you're doing something you enjoy and you play with, with a passion, and that's where the World Cup sometimes becomes a leveller, says the Scotsman who hasn't seen one for 25 years. But, you know, the, the, the passion does make a big difference uh, in this. You know, you, you get a lot of people who, a lot of teams, who turn up and expect to win. And I think Argentina and Germany have fell into that category yeah. already. 
you know, they go way better than these because we just have to do a little bit. So, what's that? Not a chance, Mr. Allen, not a chance. Um, I, actually, can I tell a story? There was one uh, <laughs> that I wore an England shop. I was working in Tenerife and I was convinced Scotland were going to qualify for the World Cup in Japan and South Korea. And at the time, England weren't going to qualify. So I'd been rounding up the lads in San like, oh, like six of us agreed to go. I managed to talk five of us into going. And I was explaining how Scotland fans are fantastic when they're abroad and you'll enjoy the atmosphere. And it was great. Then Scotland did the, the two bad results in the last round of qualifying when they should have went through. And England beat Germany 5-1 to qualify. You remember the Michael Owen scored a handful there that game. So it ended up like England were going and Scotland weren't. I was like, oh, it's all right, lads. There's no need to, to go for this one. But it's because I'd committed them, they committed me. So when we got, we flew from Tenerife to Heathrow, and as we got in Heathrow, they all brought out these embroidered uh, polo shirts with the England crest on, and I had the name on, and it had like, for example, Eddie on tour, England 2002. And he's like, yeah, here's your steward. I said, I'm not wearing it. I said, I'm telling you now, there's absolutely no way of wearing it. He would just open it and have a look. And he actually paid to have it embroidered, embroidered on. Uh, Stu on tour with England because Scotland didn't qualify. So it was actually, <laughs> actually right the way down there, right, right the way down the chest. I thought, you know, just for the mega, I'll, uh, I'll wear that. And, and we're in, end up being in Sapporo in Japan for the England-Brazil game. And the Sky News started interviewing them. They were trying to get us on. And I don't know if anyone can find the clip, but I wouldn't go on the TV. I'd uh, uh, knash them to the crowd. I thought there was not a chance my me, me mother and father would have disowned us immediately. <laughs> <laughs> So, so that I didn't do. But uh, getting back to the England game, the the last penalty, I, I even now still don't know what it was given for. It, it was it was a really soft penalty. So for me to say that in England's favour, it, it tells you that there was some bizarre uh, decisions. And I think the word you used earlier was leveller, uh, and it appeared that's what it was. It was just to, to appease certain people. But England were in cruise control, and, and if they'd focused for the full 180 minutes or however long the game was played for, <laughs> then they could have kept a clean sheet. But if they'd pushed properly, they, they could have got double figures. But they, they did right. They rested the, the forward line, they rotated them, uh, and they gave the, the back line, which seems to be the weak spot, doesn't it, at the moment? It's, I don't think even England fans have got that much of confidence in, in, the, in the back line. Uh, they, they tried to keep them as much to a unit as possible, apart from uh, Maguire getting what was he was he ill or something, and he went off. Yeah, concussion or dizziness or something along those lines. Well, because he was playing, he got a bit dizzy, wasn't it? And then uh, Dyer, by name Dyer by nature, came on. So the uh, sixth in in any games is an emphatic victory. So <laughs> he's gone. <laughs> <laughs> Well, look, Stu, uh, the last time we did this, the last time we gathered, you went, um, it's always difficult going last. So I'm going to give you the opportunity to go first on this one. Um, I'm not going to ask you for any questions for George, by the way, because there's already plenty coming. So uh, we will be doing Ask George after this topic. But uh, Anthony Nickel um, preempted one of my conversations tonight. He went, oh, Ronaldo, no thanks. Um, I would agree, Anthony. I don't want uh, Ronaldo anywhere near Newcastle. Um, you know, maybe he's under Mike Ashley when things were dire. And, um, you know, it was about maybe selling a few shirts and, and having a player that could turn a game, I would have taken him, but not under this regime and not with this uh, not with this manager, not with this squad that he's built up. That It's a, it's a no from me too. Stu, what about you? Absolutely agree. And 
I think as the song goes, uh, Eddie is our king, isn't he? And if he has the final say, which I'm sure he has, they, they will not want to rock, rock the boat. And someone like Ronaldo, similar as Neymar, they would come in, it would have to be all about them. And it would unsettle the dress room that is discussed that thing last week for the professionals. That's overachieving to the point it becomes that's the that's the raise the bar. And something like that is exactly what this club doesn't need at this stage. And and I don't the owners, although the in my opinion, the owners it's a sort of saying that me and Mitch have discussed in the summer and, and prior to that, it's a sort of like marquee sided that the, the owners would probably like to have. I believe Eddie Howe's got too much credit in the bank, and if, if they start swaying him, telling him this is what we should do, then the whole club would become in chaos. I'd be shocked, stunned, surprised, disbelieved, whatever, if Ronaldo's wearing a Newcastle shirt at any stage of the future on a professional basis. Albert, your views on Ronaldo? Would you take him uh, to Newcastle? Uh, for, for me personally, yes, but I don't think this. Yeah, I don't think it's going to be fit the criteria. Newcastle, uh, Eddie Howe always finding, uh, I don't know how to call it, uh, not about me, player, or uh, he just uh, bring players who fight and uh, continue play for the team. So he doesn't want a, a player playing for him. And he, it's about me, it's about himself. So I don't think he's fit, but he, for me personally, I, I would like. But I think he, he will go to America, I think. Yeah, either America or PSG, one of the two. Okay, Steve Wilkinson. Yeah, definitely not. Um, I think uh, he showed he showed his character before he did this interview in, in the game when we played them last year, um, and uh, which was around about Christmas time, and we're just starting to to put some form together. Uh, a game that we should have won that one really, but it was finished ones each. But he, he him and uh, their Bruno, the the inferior version. Um, just shaking their heads all the time, you know, and, and, and pettiness about, you know, that how the others definitely not a team player, and that's one thing that that you know we've thrived on this season is the the, the togetherness of the, of everybody. So to have somebody coming in who has already demonstrated, even without having to go on uh, the interview with um, with Piers Morgan to, to to explain, we've seen that the sort of petulance that he's got. Um, so he, he's, he's certainly not the type of character that we want in, and and I think that'll go for for several others that that uh, you know that, that are, as Stu says, we we expect at some point to be finding a marquee player, but I think uh, you know it, it it there are a lot of players that that you know, probably tick that box that, that we just wouldn't be the right player to bring in, irrespective of the money situation that that uh, you know they would be demanding, and that would rock the boat, but. Even the characters, I think, uh, you've got to have, uh, you know, one hundred percent fit with the the, the 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 team spirit that's there, and and, and slot into that. And uh, for that reason, I just, uh, you know, it, it certainly isn't him. Mitch, your thoughts on on Ronaldo? Has it has it surprised you the way that he's gone on? I mean, you know, he's he's spoiled his legacy for me. I mean, I've never never really been a big fan of him when he was at Manchester United, but I've I've admired him from afar. As far as you know, as as far as a player's concerned, you know, throughout his career, but this is really just spoiled his legacy, I think. On the basis of the last six months, which box does he tick on the no dickheads transfer policy? Mm. <laughs> and it's as simple as that. Yes. If you could give me a Cristiano Ronaldo with the mindset of Kieran Trippier, yes, 
an absolute yes. Someone who could come in and share his experience with the youngsters, come in and contribute to the team, hit the ground running. Maybe he's not necessarily be ready for 90 minutes at the intensity how players all the time, but by God, what a weapon to have coming off the bench. Someone who could integrate into the team and bring something totally different in terms of spirit. Somebody who would raise the profile of the club, not just in the in, in the Premier League, but in the Gulf and in the world beyond. Um, the opportunities there with a player like that on the commercial side of things are legion. However, his behaviour in the last six months tells me I want him nowhere near our dressing room. And that's a shame. It's a real shame because it's set up. That could have been the kind of signing that I, I'm quite sure that the, that PAF would love to have in terms of raising profile. But if it's going to be at the detriment that he destroys all morale in the club and brings everything down, it's an absolute hard no. I'd rather take the Brazilian Ronaldo, says Barry Hogan. Um, George, yeah, I can imagine you're just going to join in with a, a full majority here. Absolutely. I mean, uh, at the present time, there's no, like everybody said, and nowhere near St. James's Park, let alone the team. Um, however, I don't know how many of you have actually listened to his full interview. When Manchester United starts slagging them off and saying that they're going to get your lawyers... Well, I suspect that what they've done is they've listened to the interview because if they have, they'd suddenly discover that Ronaldo's probably got lawyers ready to take them to court for just constructive dismissal and all sorts of other things because the way he's being treated is, by any stretch of the imagination, absolutely appalling, even though he's behaved quite badly in the last six months, no doubt about that. The other thing people forget is that on the eve of actually signing, he was going to sign for Manchester City. That's why he came to Manchester. And a certain Mr. Ferguson, Sir Alex Ferguson, got involved and he signed for United instead of City. I wonder if Pep Guardiola's heaving a sigh of relief now, because I would be. But no, he's not a Newcastle person at all. He wouldn't fit in anywhere. No, definitely not. I think, uh, you know, John Justice Allen has probably nailed it there, that the only reason Newcastle are being linked with uh, a move for, for Ronaldo is simply because Newcastle could afford it now. Uh, but it's uh, highly unlikely uh, that Newcastle will move for him. I think all of us would be very surprised if he did become a Newcastle United player. OK, uh, before we have asked George, uh, we're going to have a quick ad break. Don't worry, I will update them. They're still relevant. There's one or two things on there that need to be changed, but I'll be doing it this week. <laughs> a big thanks to all our sponsors, starting with Skips and Bins, telephone 0800 2545 email inquiries at skipsandbins.com, website skipsandbins.com, easy contract free and pay-as-you-go waste collection. Uh, thanks to Darren Baldwin Funerals. You can find them at 304 Old Durham Road on Gateshead. Uh, telephone 0191478273 or email Darren at darrenbaldwinfunerals.co.uk or the website darrenbaldwinfunerals.co.uk. Thanks to Garden of Healing Dispensary, CBD Hemp and Cannabinoid Specialists. Their website is thegohd.com. And thanks to Three Property Investments, who specialise in sourcing investment properties for their clients who are looking to invest in the Northeast. They offer a full in-house service from sourcing the deals to managing the properties for you. They've done over 100 plus deals in the past 12 months for clients all over the UK. 
Give the guys a follow on Instagram, matty.patter underscore northeast property and phil.read underscore northeast property or email phil at 3property.co.uk should you be interested in getting a good property deal. Thanks to Mr. Vicky's sources, which are handmade in Cumbria. You can order them by going to the website, mrvickys.co.uk or by calling 01768 210102. Thanks to the guys at Blue Hole Brewery. You can find them at blueholebrewery.co.uk. Got a vast range of beers. They're a new brewery company uh, and their cans are suitably uh, addressed like the Geordie Juice here in the strips of Newcastle United from the 90s. Big thank you to Media Arts for all the help with the video side of things and to qtechshop.co.uk, the makers of pool tables and snooker tables in Walls and Newcastle and the guys who run our website. If you want to subscribe, then hit the subscription button. If you want to hit the likes, then hit the thumb up and please share your uh, social media. We're also available as a podcast on iTunes and Spotify and the rest goes up 24 hours after the show has finished. If you want to join, well, you can click join underneath the video and become a member for a small fee. If you want to pay the £25 fee and get a cup, a pen, a scarf, a membership card and entry into the monthly draw, then go to the website nufcmatters.com and click membership or use your smartphone on the QR code, which will take you straight there. We also give you a free car sticker. If you're a subscriber, simply email john at nufcmatters.com to claim your free car window sticker today. We also support the food bank on here. NUFCfansfoodbank.co.uk is where you can find the match day bucket and make a virtual donation 365 days of the year. We still do a lot of events in and around the region. If you want to see Super Mac pre-match and after match, you can go to the Dog and Parrot in Newcastle and uh, hear Malcolm give his views on the uh, game and uh, and listen to what he has to say about his career as well. Always a great afternoon. Kids are welcome. Good food, good beer. And get yourself into Pumphreys. Uh, you can always see John Anderson and John Gibson in there pre-match on the cloth market in Newcastle. A couple of events coming up in 2023, an evening with Peter Beardsley, Friday the 10th of February at St. Dom's Catholic Club. You can get the tickets direct from the venue. And Peter Beardsley is also at the Tyneside Irish Centre on Friday, February the 17th. Tickets available from Woucher for that one. Get yourself on the Woucher, make a cracking Christmas present for any Newcastle fan. Also, an evening with Rob Lee, Lee Clark and John Beresford, Friday the 2nd of June 2023 at the Grand Hotel in Gosforth. Uh, tickets for that are available from www.healandtour.org.uk forward slash events. And if you fancy a Christmas jumper, get the Bruno Christmas jumper from nufcmatters.com. Okay, it's time for us, George. Gary Milligan asks, George, apart from Newcastle fans, has George got a soft spot for any other sets of football supporters? Oh, yes. Yes, I have. Um, uh, in my uh, younger days, I used to get to Aberdeen an awful lot because of my family that lives in Aberdeen. And uh, there's, a, there's a, a group of supporters that used to get in the shed, what they call the shed at, uh, in Aberdeen. Uh, who are hard-nosed supporters, football supporters, who I got to know, some of whom I got to know quite well and uh, and indeed still have contact with a couple of them who are, who are uh, distant relatives. Um, so, yes, the, the, there's some Aberdeen fans that I really um, uh, uh, link up with and have sympathy with, with all the things that they've suffered as well. 
Okay, and next question is from Barry Hogan with a, a World Cup theme. George, question. Which tune player have you seen perform best at the World Cup? Any World Cup that you can think of, he says. Any World Cup. Um, that's a good one. Um, I'm struggling. I, I'll be honest with you, I'm going, I'm going to cop out of that one. Kieran Trippier's performance the other night is as good a performance as I've seen for England by any tune player. Yeah, because it, it is difficult because you can get sucked in, I guess, to players who previously played for Newcastle. I mean, you could easily yeah. pick out Italian, ain't you, and say, well, Waddle Gazza and Bietzel, yes, but easily, they weren't, yes. you know, at that time, you know, they moved on. So, well, yeah. But the, the, the performance, as I say, the other night by Kieran was, was just so outstanding for me. I suppose that it goes back to the fact that when I played, I, I tended to be a defender rather than an attacker. But I thought his, his all-round performance, I think uh, Steve said he, he played like he was playing for Newcastle. He did, exactly. Control things. Beardsley in 86, George. Yeah. Beardsley in 86. He made Lenniker. He won him the golden boot. That's true. That's true. Um, but Trippier yes, for me. Okay, Tom says, question for George, what's the worst referee decision you have seen in football? <laughs> Great, it could be here all night. Oh, yeah, good. <laughs> Trumpet Mills. Well, Trumpet Mills comes to mind, but so does a, um, a guy called Rennie, who uh, in his wisdom decided yeah. that Alan, Aaron Shearer should be sent off for fouling too many times. Uh, and, and he was the only one that could, could see, see what you know where that came from. I mean, it was an absolute travesty. <laughs> Uh, to be honest, and uh, um, you know, he, even he, I, I'm sure afterwards, even when he reflected on it, he realised he'd uh, he'd made a wreck. So, so that one was particularly galling for me. Yeah. Okay. Last question comes from Mark Edward Brown. He says, "Ask George what he's thought about the quality of World Cup throw-ins." He said there was a cracker <laughs> in the Argentina game where the guy threw the ball into the ground thirty yards upfield like a pass, but it was played on. Well, I, I I hesitated talking about it at the beginning, but uh, I don't think there's a coach in the bloody world knows how to take a throw in on the standard of what I've been watching on there today. And and you know, we we got nearly close to getting them right, but but it's just, just just the players, it's the officials as well. I I struggle to find the throw in that's been taken in the right place. Never mind taken in the right way. Throw ins taken with one with hand, one which hand. is which is. Which is a Chelsea uh, um, thing in in this country. They, they have players who take throw-ins with one hand. Uh, players that encroach on the pitch when they're taking a long throw. Um, I mean, all this is happening in front of our very eyes at the moment. So yeah, it it, it, it there's been some bizarre ones. You know, people just sort of rolling the ball off the top of their head because the the, the mate was close to them, not actually throwing it at all. I mean it. I'll tell you what, I, I, I explain why it gets up my nose. If you start faffing about with the little rules, and the little rules don't matter, how long is it before you're starting to interfere with the, the rules that you think do matter? Uh, and that, that's what irritates me a little bit. Um, they do matter. I mean, and and, uh, and I have to say, if, if they're used properly, they can be a lethal weapon. Um, now, I know I'm talking history now, but I go back to what, when we had Charlie Mitten at Newcastle, all the teams that played, we had the first team, Central League, A team in the Northern Alliance, B team in the Northern Combination, juniors in the Northern Newcastle Junior League, 
ends in the Northern Intermediate League and all had the same system of five ways of taking a throw-in. And if it didn't happen, Charlie Mitten heard about it and by Jove, when he went for the next training session, he got told about it. And it was the same with other things. He wanted all the teams at Newcastle to play exactly the same way. Uh, but, um, yeah, I, I mean, just to sh for me, it just be, I've tried not to watch too much because it's going to spoil the game for me, but throw-ins are an absolute shambles at the moment on the, in this World Cup. Yeah, OK. Well, great stuff, as always. Thanks for uh, getting your questions in. But, George, we'll have uh, more about them next week. Let's get back uh, to Newcastle United then. Um, obviously, a little bit of a lull, lads, and a little bit of... Uh, a little bit of silence around it because the World Cup is, is taking priority. But transfer window isn't isn't going to be far away, George. Um, I've had this conversation a few times with different people in 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 the last couple of days about are Newcastle going to make a, you know big statement in the January transfer window or are they going to be sensible? What what do you think? And what do you think they'll do? And what would you like to see them do, George? Not necessarily picking out players. But no. do you think a couple of sensible, a couple of sensible signings, or do you think they should go big again if they can? I I honestly believe that they already know now who they would like to bring in, and it won't be more than two, I, I don't think. But I think they know now who they'd like to bring in, and uh, if they can't get them, then they'll just uh, carry on until the until the summer uh, window. I don't think they'll go silly and just spend money for spending's sake. But I do honestly believe that they know now who they would like to bring in, and uh, um, and that's what I hope would would will happen. Uh, as and I'm not yeah I'm not going to go into names because that's invidious really. Uh, it it's it, bad enough guessing whether they're going to do it or they're not, never mind putting names to it. But I do honestly believe that they, I suspect they already know who they would like to fit into what we've got now. And uh, if they can't get them, then we'll have to be patient till the summer. Okay. Mitch, same question to you. I think, as I've said all along, the transfer policy is fluid. It's open-ended. If somebody becomes available that they think is the right fit at the right price, they will make it happen. And if that doesn't happen, then we'll wait till the next window. I think that's as, as clear as we can make it. We've got players coming back to bolster the squad from injury. Um, so we don't have to panic by in any way, shape or form. We're going to be considered about how we do it. And that's exactly what they'll be. I think if they tick the boxes and the price is right, and the deal is right, the deal will be done. It's that simple. It's absolutely that simple. And I think, quite rightly, again, as the dad's pointed out, I think they already know who they want to talk to. And But I also think they'll be flexible enough that if somebody rises to prominence in this tournament, this is the uniqueness of this January window. It's not just an unusual window with more of the season available after January for a player to make a difference in. It's also after a World Cup. And there's always people come to prominence in World Cups that you don't expect. And maybe a deal could be done out of the blue on the back of that. And so I think it's exciting because we're in the mix and we know we're going to be in the mix. And we're not just going to be talking about hanging on to players. It's a different conversation. If it's really true that Man United and Liverpool's owners are looking for an exit strategy or additional funds from additional investors, 
then we really are at the top table in terms of transfers. We'll be one of the few teams in a position to move and in a position to say, right, let's get this deal done. And it may be a case of let's make hay while the sun shines. So um, more and more as the day goes, days go by, this, this January window becomes almost like a second goat summer. And I think if that's the case, we're in a perfect position to do something about it. Mm, interesting. Okay, Steve Wilkinson. Yeah, well, I think the the, the thing is, when, when I think we've played fifteen games at the moment, so we've got twenty three left. So there's a significant amount of games, and I think bearing in mind the position we're currently in, uh, I don't think any, and I think Eddie Howe's also must said it. We don't, we didn't expect to be uh, in third position, and and that leaves us in a, a very strong position to challenge for Champions League, which I think none of us at the beginning. Uh, Really, you know, we had hopes that we might be getting close to the top four, but I think it would be it would be difficult to think. You know, I was thinking fifth or sixth would have been really good. I would have liked to have seen us get into Europe, and I and I still think we're we're going to be able to do that. Um, and I think that given the position we're in now, you might as well say, well, why not go for the Champions League? And that suggests that we want to be be ready for that. And and to do that, I think we've got to start to look at the at the vulnerabilities that we've got. I think it, it showed when we played against uh, Crystal Palace in the League Cup. Absence of Bruno and Trippier in that game, in the, well, for the first hour anyway, it, it showed that those two positions particularly were, were, were maybe don't have the strength and depth. So I think we've got to be looking to, to, to bolster those positions. And it's not easy to bring a quality player in to say, well, you're going to come in, but you're, you're going to be second fiddle to Bruno. But I, I think there's every chance that you'll... With, with so many games and, you know, we're hopefully going to have a, a cup run. So we might start having two or three games, a, 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 you know, a weekend going forward. That, uh, you know, it's, it, you've got to give Bruno a rest every so often. So if we bring somebody in that, that's, uh, you know, knocking on his door to be that type of player, um, you know, there's every chance that we'll not be, we'll not miss Bruno if he's, if he's not there. And I still think, again, right back, Kraft would have been the number two choice. He, he played well last season, but obviously his injury rules him out. So we're, with Manquillo, who does it does his best, but I don't think he's at the level that uh, anywhere near that that, that Kraft got to. Um, so I, I think I think they're the positions that we want to lift. But I, I agree with with Mitch that if the right player comes along, irrespective of what position, um, you know, then uh, you know let's get him. Interesting, because um, Mr. Anderson asks the question, Al Walid, that I'm I was going to ask you, but we've spoken about it on the show before. Do you see us signing a player from Saudi? Um, a sentimentality uh, signing would be Al Shearer, of course. <laughs> I don't think he would get the number nine shirt. But the centre-half, um, I, I forget his name, um, had an absolutely outstanding game. Um, yeah. I, I mean, it's going to happen at some point, isn't it, Al Walid? We, we've spoken about this in depth, that a Saudi player at some point may well join Newcastle and it will go down very well in your country. Uh, yes, and then number ten, Salim al he's he's the one who should uh, play in Europe at, at the moment. Uh, so for me, and uh, and the one who got injured as well, yeah, he's a great left back. So there is a opportunity uh, for Newcastle. I wish. Uh, I think priority is midfielder, and midfielder is a priority. We try to get uh, Madison, and we try get uh, uh, that Brazilian. I forget his name from Watford. So uh, we need this number 10 position and anything else like a winger, it's going to be a bonus. Okay, Stu, 
Uh, we've spoken about it many times on the show before, but uh, things will start hotting up once the World Cup finishes and prices will go sky high on maybe players that we could have got a little bit cheaper in the last window. But you know, what, what would you like to see as a, as a Newcastle fan this window? I think they'll go all out to get whoever Eddie Howe wants. And I'm sure he's earmarked certain players for certain positions. Madison's obvious one because it's, it was common knowledge that they did twice for him. Uh, in, in the summer window but one good thing about this club is the, the way they do business they won't just buy someone for the sake of buying someone just to appease people uh, because they've got a squad there and again uh, I've mentioned it many times whoever they bring in will, will boost the squad who won't just be there to fill numbers we've got squad fillers there who need to be replaced in the coming windows so whether it's Madison, and for me, it's been great that Leicester went on such a good run in the last uh, six, seven games of the window, because if they were struggling, I think they'd be more reluctant to sell them than they would now they feel like they could stay, keep safety. <coughs> Excuse me. So, I, would, I'd be, I wouldn't be shocked to see them bid for, for him again, and maybe he's a bit extra on it, because we are in a position that I don't think any of us envisaged, envisaged including the, the board. <coughs> I'm sure they've demanded improvement. Uh, so, like, the British, say, good in this window, I would say maybe it's about eight. But the fact that we're third, it's it's created its own uniqueness, isn't it? It's like, well, do we stick or twist? Do we stick to the plan where we just keep going, or, or do we just push that little bit extra? Now, I believe if if a player who anyhow believes will enhance the squad, and he's, he's the right type of player, they will pay. If, even if they the odds, I think this time they will appear. But you've also seen the patience with Botman as well that they will wait to get the, to the right man. But I just wanted to comment again on the World Cup because there's been so much bad publicity to it. Uh, but if we go back to World Cups in Mexico and <coughs> in Italy, there was many complaints about the players being dehydrated and it was too hot for them to play and they should have liquid breaks and stuff like that. Been none of that, has there? There's been none of that this World Cup. So I, I think instead of looking for things to complain about, people should be looking to embrace this World Cup. It's a once every four year, you know, adventure tournament. And and I think in years to come, we'll, we'll just look back and enjoy it. But it's the results that will be remind uh, will be remembered of, like when Algeria won in '82, you know, when uh, Iran beat Scotland in '78, and and then you you've got the the Saudi result yesterday, or the, uh, sorry, on Monday, you've got the Japan result today. This is what people remember about the World Cup. You look at the, like, I'm looking at my son and stuff like that. He's buzzing about this World Cup. And when we're all younger, you remember the goals, you remember the, the, the games, the results, etc. They don't remember that people were complaining about this, that, and the other, but that's just the way society is. I think football is becoming the winner. And... Long may it continue. Yes, there's going to be complaints about offsides. There's going to be complaints about VR, magical injury time. But that's happened in every single World Cup in existence. You know, there's always been dodgy decisions. You know, the, there was was there not one in the cup final, George? Uh, was it was it George Court who was the referee? Yes, yes, yes. And that's about then the most famous one of all is when. The, the England Germany game, England West Germany in 1966. Yeah. You know, there's, there's, Whether the ball crossed the lane, yeah. <laughs> yes, he did cross the lane, by the way. You know, so it's, 
it's, it's, there's going to be contentious decisions in every game, but that's why we love the sport, you know. And as long as it appears to be done fairly, and I think this is what Mitch referred to earlier, you know, there's no consistency to it. But the, the, the global game, and, uh, and I think, yes, it's everyone's had the bones out the way about equal rights, it's in the winter, and who are there to do this? But let's just enjoy these, these games that are, that are getting played. And the fact that there's been already surprises, I mean, England winning was a massive surprise to some. But, you know, there's, there's been massive surprises already so far in the tournament. And the, there'll be more. And if you know, and how, it, how it's going to be out. I got away with that, didn't I, Mitch, with a straight face? You know? <laughs> <laughs> but you, if you look at the predicted draws, you know, there's some cracking games coming up, football-wise. You know, and if anyone wants to listen to anybody on when I got it for Brazil final. That's how it's set out. But I, I think we should just in, enjoy this. Back to Newcastle, just a surprise. Yes, I believe exactly the same as George will add two players. And for me, I've championed Kieran Seeley for the last two or three windows. I'd love to see him join. He's not getting his game at Arsenal and he could easily be tempted. And wouldn't it be nice to pitch big for one of the, I won't even say a big six, I'd say one of our Champions League competitors. Pitch yeah. big and have he had the choice. He would come to Newcastle if he thought he was starting. He's close at home, and any player worth the salt would want to join what we're creating and what the journey that we've actually not just started, but we're on. Because any player who likes to play football and, and wants to to be linked with success and through teamwork as well, not through individuals. And this is why uh, I was talking about Ronaldo as a big no. Through through the teamwork, Newcastle's the place to be. And when, when we see Trippier playing as he did, Wilson coming on, and I'm sure Bruno will get minutes as well. Newcastle United, and this is, we've talked about this many times in previous uh, shows, Newcastle United's names are blazing across that screen around the world. And this is the sort of people who will be coming to Newcastle now. You know, so these squad fillers will be world-class players that we're going to bring us. But I'll go back to exactly what I said at the start. Whoever any I wants, I think we'll push even harder. We certainly bite the bullet to play that bit extra few million to get them. If that's what he wants and he sees it as a part of the jigsaw, how can they not trust him? Everything he said he's going to do, he's delivered and scared loads and fair play at the moment. Mm-hmm. Okay, uh, finishing off um, with uh, two clubs up for sale now, Stu. Manchester United and Liverpool. Um, do you think this has got something to do with uh, the takeover at our place? Because uh, suddenly these big six owners seem to be getting a little bit shifty and want to uh, uh, want to move on to pastures new and uh, the Manchester United one was a big shock to me. Yeah, the Man United and Liverpool, but do you know what? It reminds us of it reminds us of um, when Mike Ashley first took over Newcastle, and at the time you had uh, our board Freddie Shepherd saying this is a billionaires game now, not a millionaires. And then when Mike Ashley decided to sell, he says, "I'm just a billionaire. I can't compete with these people who are coming in." You know, so now you've got these Americans, they've come to military and they've forced, as we, we've talked about constantly, the force that's the tidal wave of success that's coming with Newcastle. The, the will, to me, in my opinion, they'll replicate and surpass what Manchester City's done. And, and the, the Saudi regime will not allow that not to happen. Uh, and they'll make sure they'll keep pushing to get it. But then you've got two Gulf states with the right sponsorship with the, the right revenue and the potential to grow as Newcastle. There's a club like that. 
uh, out there. Liverpool are capacity, Man United are at full capacity. Then these Americans can't compete. So they, they bring out the, the flag with the white cross and the white background, don't they? And say, right, we want to get out of this. But who really can they get? Another American? Great. Because they all don't want what the brand so who who do they who do they get in another consortium in America that's going to you know take money out every every single window every single opportunity who who can they, who can they get to compete with us and I'm I'm loving it I'm just watching them all weep and cry I've been particularly busy at work so I've been particularly quiet on Twitter but watching the the people being oh, what's what's the word I'm looking for well. It's not, it's not two-faced. What they've been is it's double standard. They've said one thing, but now they'll, they'll say another. Um, sorry, I've been working for long many as well. They, they, they get to a point now, yeah, we, we'll take Saudi money, but Saudi's not going anywhere because I've said, I must say at least 100 times on these shows, Steve, that uh, the PAFC in Newcastle as a business. They've seen it as an investment opportunity and with the potential. You buy Newcastle for a tenth of what Chelsea bought. So we'll grow to the size of that within two or three years. That's what business is about. And I'm sure I mentioned Man United. Let's see if someone buys them for four billion. How they're going to make extra million on top of that? They would have to clean up, as in trophy-wise. Yeah. And they're probably three or four. They're actually behind us uh, in the queue to legitimately win. So then you're just treading water and taking revenue in. They're not going to increase that sale to five billion. And even if they did, who's going to spend that money on it? So. It's a shame, and I'm really, really, really upset that Man United might just be treading water. <laughs> We're swimming as fast as we can with the propeller stuck to our feet. Let them crack on. They've had their success. We're going to have ours now. A lot of sentiment there from Stu, as I'm sure the viewers can hear. Uh, Alwaleed, has it surprised you to see Manchester United now go up for sale? Uh, no, because uh, as we as we you speak, guys, that uh, uh, Manchester and Chelsea and uh, sorry Chelsea now, not before, and Liverpool, they they are any uh, beside the American owner. I think I'm not talking about American thing. No, I'm talking about they are they are they are pure business. They just care about money, so only money. So I think they realize by Chelsea. Selling, it's uh, maybe this is like stock market. Uh, stock market. This is time to sell. I think this, uh, from their uh, economic view. So that's no surprise. Okay, Steve. Yeah, I think I think Mike Ashley years ago said that he expected one of the one of the big teams to go bust, and and uh, I think the, the the model that we've sort of forced on and and Man City well really is is the. It, the 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 model that they've set up, where the they kind of mortgage the club and take money out, it just doesn't work. And I think the, you know, the the Super League was the was the get out. That was the their the, their way of, of making it work. And I think, you know, that the the they're realizing that they've got very little chance of bringing something like that back. Particularly since now we've joined the the, the elite at the top. Um, there isn't the the cartel there now with with, with so much dominance to. To take over the top six places and so well, we're, we're gonna we're gonna form this super league and say well hang on a second we are we are in the Champions League next year ahead of one of you two one of you six um, so uh, you know I think you know it's it's time to cut and run and uh, as Stu says who's gonna spend four million to 
to, to make very little. You know, already I suspect that that you know we are we are already probably a billion plus in in value from from within a year. That's that's triple the money. You're not going to triple anywhere. You know, you're not going to turn four million into anything like a four billion. Sorry, into anything significant uh, very quickly, which is what uh, Man United is going to have. So I think we'll struggle to find somebody, and uh, you know, I don't I don't know what will happen then. Mm, Mitch, it's uh, I've seen a few Manchester United fans celebrating and you know saying that all of this uh, over the last you know decade of you know com- campaigning and pushing them out that that, that their dreams are going to be finally uh, realised. But it sounds to me, especially listening to Stu there, that um, it might be better the devil you know, and, and the grass isn't always greener. No, it isn't. We know that firsthand. Um... I think there's a number of things come out of this for me. One, is this a statement that both the Glazers and FSG see the Super League as dead in the water? And if it is, that's significant for football across Europe. And going forward, puts us in an even stronger position within the football echelons of Europe, not just the Premier League. Um, I think also... It may be a message that Man City have sent out as well, saying, well, whatever Newcastle's owners do, we're going to back them. Because there's very much that um, togetherness between the UAE and Saudi. And Saudi's very much big brother and UAE's very much little brother. There's no doubt about that. Um, And I can't see owners from the UAE going against anything that Saudi ownership would want to do in terms of voting going forward on Super Leagues and Premier League works, etc. Um, I think the other thing we're seeing is we're seeing an inflation of prices. Chelsea's sale price is actually £2.5 billion. All the rest of that money was ring-fenced for ground development and for the victims of the Russian police action, which all seems to have disappeared into a bank account somewhere and just seems to be resting there at the moment. Um, and so... For Liverpool to turn around and say, well, they've got 4.5 billion, we should be worth this and we should be worth that. And Man United saying, oh, we should easily get this. They're actually using the wrong figures. They're using the wrong figures. Um, And I see them hoping that somebody from Dubai is going to come and rescue them. And I can promise you this, 100%. Dubai doesn't have as much money as Abu Dhabi. Not in a long way. And Abu Dhabi doesn't have as much money as Saudi. Not by a long way. So there ain't going to be no big benefactor coming from Dubai, for example, who isn't leveraged to the hilt in the same way the Glazers are to rescue them. Where will um, they get their leverage? Abu Dhabi or Saudi, and they're not going to do it. Absolutely, they're not. Absolutely, they're not, mate. It 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 it, it just doesn't work like that. Um. And, and if anybody wants to understand how the dynamics of that work works, look up why the Burj Khalifa is called the Burj Khalifa. Um, but there's another thing. That's We're getting into geopolitics again, aren't we? Um, but they're all grasping at straws and flailing around. And, and still the thing that jumps out at me of everything is that is this the white flags coming out from two of the American parties about the formation of the Super League. And where's that then going to leave Barcelona and Real Madrid going forward and Juventus who still want to cling on to the ideas of doing that? Um, 
because Man City, remember, have also positioned themselves with UEFA as the people who don't want to go and back the Super League. They want us to have everybody keeping together with UEFA because the, the Qatari owners have got a very comfortable seat at the UEFA table at the moment. Um, I think our the dynamics of football and the politics of football are about to shift again. And they're going to shift to this region. And we're in that mix. And this could be a very significant moment in more ways than we realise for the future of Newcastle United going forward, in my opinion. George, your take on this, please. Well, um, in all of this, the, the, the bit that, that they all fail to mention uh, when they start to compare Emmanuel and uh, uh, Liverpool and Uncle Tom Cobb, you know, with Newcastle United, the strength of where Newcastle United starts is we weren't in debt thanks to Mike Ashley, and we're not in debt now. There's no, there's no, there's, we spent nothing that our owners couldn't wipe off tomorrow. Manchester United, 750 million, billions in debt, millions in debt. Tottenham, a billion in debt. Liverpool, 750 in debt. Whoever buys that debt, I suspect will just be somebody like the ones that they've got now, like the Glazers and, and the people, the Americans at Liverpool, who just want to add more debt by by setting money off against other things uh, and won't they won't have the money to, to challenge in, in, on the on the field like they think they would have. So I I, I think uh, yeah, you, you used the phrase yourself, Steve. The grass isn't always green, and I think these these people are in for a shock. I, I think they see buyers where they aren't buyers, to be frank, uh, as Neil and Stu have so um, uh, eloquently put it this evening. Uh, so, no, I, I, I think that they're whistling in the wind, quite frankly. Yeah, I would agree with you. Uh, interesting debate tonight, slightly different from what we normally talk about on the show. Uh, uh, quick prediction, guys, on the England game. George, starting with you against USA. I think 3-0 England. 3-0 England. Mitch? I think 5-1 England. Ooh, oh, good God. I'm going to be uh, in the minority here, I think. Steve Wilkinson? <laughs> well, I think I think 4-0. We've, we've won 4-0 a few times, so I think we'll win 4-0. Stu? Why me last? Why me that last? Because <laughs> I, I, I didn't want to leave you at the last because I'm going to get Alva leading me on a positive. <laughs> You next. I was, I was going to say, regarding Man United sale, it's like a house is only worth what the buyer's willing to pay, not what they're yeah, selling. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I'll give you a prediction that will 100% be true for Friday night, that Mr. Steve Hastie would be very grateful for Mrs. Hastie's presence if he goes back to drinks. Brilliant. I'm going to go, I'm going to go a little bit more... Um, cautiously on this one, I think England's going to get a draw against uh, America. I think it's going to be two. I think it's going to be a. I think it's going to be a two-two draw. One nil England, maybe. One nil England for you. Our lead. Three-one uh, England. Three-one England and Saudi. Their next game, I'll lead. What's your prediction for that? Well, well uh, I believe we can do something against Mexico, but uh, with Boland, we are. Um, I believe my team that's still defending uh, regarding crosses is not that quite 
but hopefully يعني, who knows يعني, we can win and go uh, qualify after that brilliant stuff uh, thanks to the moderators thanks to everybody in the chat 4-0 England says Chris 2-0 says Pablo good evening mate 2-1 says Tom lots of positivity uh, we will wait and see I'm back tomorrow night 6 o'clock with Super Mac and with Gibbo uh, live show again and then back with the amigos don't forget on Friday at 4 o'clock until half past five. Lads, thanks very much. Take care. See you next week. Good to see, see you, you all, lads. Uh, Great. Thank you. Bye.